McDavid. McDavid down the one-timer. Dreisaitl shoots and scores. And there's that power play marker for the Oilers. And there's a high fly ball. Deep right field. Harper watches it fly. A second deck three-run home run for Bryce Harper. Now the dog with a shot. Saved by Olmark. Coming around is Bedard. He scores! His first National Hockey League goal. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. All right, here we go. Sol 27 for Thursday, October the 12th. Uh, Six degrees in Edmonton, looking for a high of 17. I think the sun is going to come up today for Oiler fans, if it hasn't already. But um, yeah, worst uh, season opening loss or tied for the worst season opening loss since uh, 1991, a 9-2 defeat in Calgary. Uh, We were at the uh, Jason Greger Pizza Pig Out yesterday at Molson House uh, down at Rogers Place. Um, I think I crushed about 14 slices of uh, Zot. Just a great job by everybody, all the volunteers, of course, all the pizza companies in town um, that donated uh, their time and efforts uh, for kids sport. But I kind of walked out of there with a little indigestion, I guess you could say, uh, as we welcome in the uh, Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas. So I had a little indigestion, and then I got home and started watching the game, and that that indigestion kind of went to a feverish pitch. Is that how the night went for you, uh, Duke? Similar? No, Kevin, although I think I only ate about half as much pizza as uh, you did, so my night was not marred by such things. I simply uh, enjoyed a few extra slices on my way out the door and then a little trip home and caught... uh, I listened to the first period of the game on my way home through the NHL app on uh, on the phone and then um, sat down to watch it which unfortunately you, didn't make things get much better. But You got um, the indigestion in. That's what you got. So yeah. um, you know that the uh, the Oiler faithful is, are really fired up when the, the texts are coming in before the show starts. Uh, 1-833-401-1440 on the heels of an 8-1 loss. But as my old Ukrainian neighbor says, chikai, chikai, chikai. Everybody just kind of hold off. It's a little bit of a, is it an overreaction Thursday, is it? No, it's one game. So, uh, Metal Arc PWB comes in well. Says, that, well, there was that day in Hartford in 1984. Yeah, that was uh, 11-0, I believe, or 10 or 11 nothing. Ronnie Francis had about four goals for the Whalers, and uh, that was a tough one. But, uh you know, when when you hear the post-game comments, the harder part for a coach uh, or players, they never ever want to say, they have to be careful of how they word it because of uh, the pride aspect. So you'll hear, well, we lost a lot of battles. We lost too many battles. That's just kind of coach and player speak, mostly coach speak, because when the players say it, it's a little different. The coach can't really go out and call the guys out for a lack of effort. Because basically Vancouver worked over the Oilers in every effort department. So you have to kind of be careful uh, because you you don't want to question the pride aspect of an effort and what you're giving. But when you come out and say, we lost 
all the battles. We lost too many battles. And again, that is coach speak for saying we were outworked. Um, they brought more effort. Uh, they played harder. Remember last year, after the playoffs were over, Ken Holland in his news conference at the end of the year said, well, they played harder. I mean, and especially defensively. When you look at how to play defense, the hardest thing to do is play defense in hockey because it's hard. You have to play hard. The Oilers didn't do it. The second goal was a microcosm of the whole evening. Evan Bouchard muscled off the puck by Phil Giuseppe, which was kind of ironic, Duke, because Giuseppe Pizza was on, you know, the pizza pig out, and Giuseppe was all over the Oilers last night on the forecheck. He was bringing it all night long. So, yes, Bouchard was muscled off, but then there was absolutely no support, zero. Um, If you want to call whatever F1, F2, F3, probably F1 for Connor McDavid, he's coming down into the corner, but he's late. He's late to the party. JT Miller's there. Lots of time, lots of time to have a look at what's going on. Now, if you want to talk about if the Oilers are playing a new system with a zone defense, etc., once again, when you play whatever defense you want to play, if you're not playing it with the extreme amount of effort, it's not going to be successful. But then you've got Brock Besser right in the little bit of a hole uh, between a couple of defensemen and a top forward. And he's right in there to make a pretty good shot on Jack Campbell. Uh, The first of four goals for Brock Besser. Uh, Text coming in. Uh, uh, SKS, well, the positive is that both goalies were just as bad, letting in four goals each. It also proves that Ekholm is your stud. Yes, the Oilers went 11-6, no Matthias Ekholm, and he is a good defenseman. He probably is the Oilers' best all-around defenseman. He probably is. Uh, Stair Farmer, good morning. Uh, The Oilers started the season opposite of what they wanted. Good thing it's only game one. The Canadian teams last night all played some good hockey, except for the Oilers, for sure. Um, Again, disjointed. It's a one-off. There'll be a lot of people having their overreaction. Uh, We wanted to play last night's... uh, post-game comments. Uh, We're going to get to a few of those over the course of the morning. Um, Jack Campbell, four goals, was pulled after the fourth goal um, off a skate, uh, went off of uh, Besser's skate. Uh, The third goal, I mean, Campbell made two saves before. I mean... I mean, I don't don't fault Campbell on really any of the goals, to be honest with you. Uh... I think the Oilers had some life after Leon Dreisaitl scored the power play goal to make it 4-1. But then Evan Bouchard took a penalty right after that. And, you know, another power play goal for Vancouver resulted in any of that momentum kind of being quashed. Um, Fogel McLeod Holloway. What do you think of that line? Send us a text, one 401 Holloway left the game in the third period after blocking a shot. Um, Jay Woodcroft didn't have an update after the game. We'll see what happens today. Um, the first goal, a lot of people were talking about it too, but that was some serious sauce from Elias Pettersson, who Elias Pettersson probably was the best player on the ice. I mean, yeah, 
there were was a five-point night by J.T. Miller. He had one goal, four assists, four goals for Besser. But in all capacities, if you were going to rate the play of you know the players, Elias Pedersen was physical. He leveled Cody CC once. Um, the Canucks were still finishing their checks in the third period. Um, one other aspect that a lot of people maybe weren't sure of what happened was uh, with uh, the polling of Thatcher Demko. He actually sort of pulled himself, was felt dehydrated, according to head coach Rick Tockett, threw up in his mask. So after the game, there were several comments from several players and head coach Jay Woodcroft. We're going to get to one of those here right off the hop. So here's head coach Jay Woodcroft in his post-game media scrum. Sum that one up. Jay? Not good enough. You, you, you know, practice these guys. You have a long camp. They have a long cap to skate. You play eight preseason games and come out with a game that it looks like they just met each other in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. How do you figure that? Yeah, I mean, it's not not good enough. We laid an egg tonight. Um, we all own it. We're all in uh, in this one together. And the bottom line is, uh, we were at a preseason level of work ethic and a preseason level of execution, all of us. And um, we got a lesson in regular season work ethic and regular season battle level, and we were not good enough tonight. To a man, every single one of us, not good enough. So work, work ethic is the, the thing that you, you come to much? Uh, anything tactically that uh, may have been an issue for you? Well, I, I mean, I, I saw us lose a ton of battles. Um, things that normally uh, are hallmarks of our game did not show up. Um, as I said, I thought it was a, a preseason level of uh, intensity, preseason level of uh, execution, nowhere near where you need to be in order to win a, a hockey game in the regular season in the National Hockey League. Can you explain the, the reason for, for the poll tonight? I mean, no, I, to, a man, to, to a man, none of us were good. Um, so pull, you're talking about pulling the goaltender? I mean... You know we're at that stage, and we're trying to stem the the tide a little bit, change momentum. Um, you know, in the end, uh, didn't work. Uh, we didn't get much better as the game wore on. We moved pieces around, all that kind of stuff. In the end, all of us not good enough. Talked a lot about the importance of Matias Ekholm since he came in. His first real game that you've gained for the counted. That uh, he wasn't in your lineup. Uh, I mean, how much of that was, was him? Him not being there. How did it result tonight? Well, I mean, he hasn't been here all training camp. So um, you know, like uh, him not being in the lineup had nothing to do with our our level of execution or, or us losing the amount of battles that we, we lost. Is he a good hockey player? He's a great hockey player. Uh, and he's a big part of our decor. He's getting better. Um, we missed him tonight, but him not being in the lineup had nothing to do with what we just witnessed. I think all of us um, take accountability for it. We laid an egg, not good enough. For a team like yours, it's being there's a lot of Stanley Cup talk around your team outside your room, not inside, outside your room. Uh, can a game like this be a good coaching tool? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You know what? Uh, in the end, like I said, there's a lot of things wrong with what we just saw out there. You saw it. Our players saw it. The coaches saw it. Our managers saw it. Not good enough. Not good enough. And um, we have better. We know it. Uh, we laid an egg, get a chance to work at our game and get another crack at this team on Saturday. And 
update on yeah. Dylan Holloway? I know uh, I haven't seen him after the game. I haven't talked to the trainers yet. But, uh, you know, I thought that was for a young player to put his body on the line. That's the type of commitment that, that you need. And I thought that was a positive play uh, on his behalf. That's uh, Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. Yeah, block shot by Dylan Holloway in the third period. Um, Northside Norm comes to our text line, one 401 And yes, this could be a little bit more of a, a solemn mood tonight at West Edmonton Mall. Uh, I wonder how the mood of the players for the autograph session will be today. I'm in the lineup for Dreisaitl. Um, and then Northside Norm wants some free product, and he's not getting any of it, Norm. Nothing. No, nope, no free product. <laughs> Excuse me, Norm, but uh, the, if you're before you get in line, just uh, it's just right down the middle of the mall, just a, a few steps down from where the autograph session will be. Go grab yourself a bag, and uh, yeah. that'll keep you satisfied. Don't from, be a cheapo, Norm. From our friends at Wilhawk, hey. yeah, yeah. Don't be a cheapo. Let's see some moths come out of that wallet when you open it up at Wilhawk Beef Jerky for sure. Uh, so there were a lot of. Undisciplined penalties at the end of the game, two by Leon Dreisaitl, one by uh, Connor McDavid that kind of maybe skewed the uh, special team stats a little bit. Oilers just one for seven on the power play, though. A great job by the penalty kill by the Canucks. uh, Really forced things uh, around. On the uh, Oilers' power play, the Canucks went 3-for-14. A lot of those were, uh, you know, little halfers on the power play and stuff like that, they call them. Um, But the uh, Oilers' penalty kill, 11-for-14, 79%. uh, Hits were 22 for the Canucks, 21 for the Oilers. Shots, 33 for Vancouver, 27 for the Oilers. Stair Farmer says the McLeod line was the only line that pushed and played well overall. McLeod looked really good on the PK. You know, if you look at that eighth goal, and uh, that was a and McLeod is coming back hard on the play. Uh, it's a partial two on one. Darnell Nurse with a bad pinch, but again, the game's over, so whatever. But Evan Bouchard just did a flyby in the crease on Dakota Joshua, who scored the goal. Uh, it was a rough night, a really, really rough night for Evan Bouchard. I mean, uh, he finished dash three, I believe. Yeah, did have one assist. Uh, played the most minutes, 24-41 of uh, any uh, Oilers player last night. Uh, the Oilers will vow to get better Saturday for the rematch. We're going to talk a lot of Oilers coming up. We've got post-game comments. and uh, We'll check in with uh, Mark Spector uh, at 8 o'clock for On the Mark Frank Saravalli for the uh, headliner of the day at Daily Faceoff at 820. Uh, before that, we've got to go around the league. And again, people want to, oh, we always want to talk Oilers. Yes, we get it. We get it. Uh, but sometimes you have to kind of adjust to the time zone. You know, it's 7.15 here, so it's 9.15 out east. So we're going to head out to Detroit and talk to Helene St. James of the uh, Detroit Free Press coming up after the break. Uh, we've got uh, Sad Yusuf uh, with the Dallas Stars at 9 o'clock. And, of course, uh, at 8 o'clock, what more can you ask for? Ladislav Schmid, uh, our co-host on Thursdays from 8 to 10. Looking forward to a text or two from the Hammer. Uh, we'll see what happened. They had a, it looks like, I think they had the game yesterday, Duke. Is that correct? They had their, instead of their Thursday skate. That's what the hammer said yesterday yes. on the text line saying that, uh, Thursday night's shinny had moved to Wednesday. 
Wow. Well, we'll see what uh, uh, Laddie Schmid has to say about that. 10 o'clock, Blair Kirkhoff from the uh, Kansas City Star to tee up the Thursday night football game between the Chiefs. And uh, what am I? Why am I drawing a blank? The here? Broncos. Broncos. Yes, we had That's the right. Broncos on. Yes, and I was going to say Broncos, and it just sort of came into a blank. And of course, we got lots of baseball to talk about. Man, oh man, Arizona Diamondbacks are on fire uh, heading into the postseason. But when we come back, we will check in with Helene St. James of the Detroit Free Press on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Tons of texts coming in after the Oilers' debacle last night. We'll get to Sonny Dean and Doug in just a moment. First, the puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to 25% on select tires and a bonus of 50 bucks off any service until October 21st. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply. As we welcome in Helene St. James of the uh, Detroit Free Press. Uh, Helene, the, the sky's falling here in uh, Edmonton after the 8-1 loss to Vancouver last night. But you are in Newark, New Jersey, to set up uh, the Detroit Red Wings and uh, the Devils tonight. Uh, how are things going in New Jersey? Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for that journey lead-in. Even though it cut off right before the part about being from South Detroit, or as we call it, Windsor. But uh, no, it's a beautiful day here in Newark. The sun is shining, and the Detroit Red Wings are full of hope and belief that they can make the playoffs for the first time in what will be eight years if they advance in April. Man, it, it does. maybe that is a great theme song for the Red Wings this year because it's been a bit of a journey, but it seems that... A lot of the pieces have been put in place, and there's some optimism. Um, we get it out here. I, I think the Red Wings have a heck of a team put together by Steve Eiserman. Can you kind of just give us a rundown of the, the pieces of the puzzle that have been uh, been put together? Well, it's really interesting, the remodeling he's done since the trade deadline last season. I mean, they they went through two horrible games in Ottawa the Monday and Tuesday of the trade trade week, and by the end of the week, Tyler Bertuzzi was gone. Philip Ronick was gone. Uh, two key, two guys who looked like they were going to be key parts of the rebuild, and it looked like okay, going back to drafting and developing. And instead, over the summer, Steve brings in a number of veterans, and then pulls off what I think was one of the best trades of the summer in getting Alex DeBrincat, a 40-goal scorer, onto the onto the roster. So he he's really remodeled the Red Wings and veered a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, especially on the back end. So. I think they're they're very very confident because and they have the luxury they're able to carry three goaltenders into the season that kind of burned them last season when Nedeljkovic struggled so much mm-hmm. and Halberg really didn't work out so I think that they're feeling like they, they they're just better in every single position and and that they have depth because they have some really good prospects where well, they go in the minors yeah needed. yeah Helene St James from the Detroit Free Press is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, with that addition of Debrinket, he just adds so much depth, and he's a sniper. Um, where do you see him kind of fitting in to a new team uh, moving forward here? He'll start on the top line, uh, probably with, with or with Dylan Larkin, and probably David Prawn on the other line. They also like. Lucas Raymond up there, you know, but he just makes every line better because of how much more depth they can have on the others. And another really good addition, you talk about a sniper, Daniel Sprong, coming off a 21-goal season. He's a guy who likes to funnel pucks to the net. I mean, they just, they haven't been great at at getting the puck on net in the past, but I think you're really going to see a big difference in that this season. 
I think Oilers fans would like to know how Clem Costin is looking. They could have used a little bit of his grit last night, but how has Clem uh, Costin looked so far uh, for the Red Wings? Yeah, he looks like he's going to be on a, on what they hope to be an identity line with Joe Valeno and Christian Fisher on the fourth line. They had a very good preseason. You know, you can only read so much into that. But, yeah, they like the grit that he brings, and I think they feel he can move up the lines if, if needed so so that he, he addressed some of the grit. I mean, mostly it was goal scoring that Steve addressed during the off season, but they did also want to get tougher because they – you know, they they really got just got so pushed around by Ottawa in those two disastrous games in late February. Helene St. James of the Detroit Free Press is our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, in uh, one of your articles, I guess the latest one this morning, kind of talking about uh, in the Detroit Free Press about, you know, just moving forward, not necessarily being an underdog, possibly flying under the radar, um, but... I don't know what it is about head coach Derek Lalonde. Every, I, it seems like people gravitate towards this guy. Uh, can you kind of discuss the relationship that he has, uh, you know, with with the Red Wings players and the organization? I think he's just he's a very low key, very calm, uh, you know, very much big picture. I, and I really think you know, give give Steve credit there too. He's never made it. He's never put a time frame on. Okay. They have to be back in the playoffs by this time. And he would know better than anyone. I mean, it took him 14 years as a player to win in Detroit. And there were 26 teams, no salary cap. And along the way, they had the 89 draft with Littstrom and Fedorov and Konstantinov. So he knows how hard it is to win the cup. And he that emanates from his office and right through down to Lalone, too, that he's just very measured and, you know, doesn't get over-celebratory or too down on the team if they go through an extended slump. I think he's really big on knowing the reality of what they have, and anybody can see the reality is they're in a very deep division in a very stacked conference, and it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs. But why wouldn't you have some enthusiasm uh, before the puck has dropped yet on their season? Yeah, for sure. What kind of leadership do you see in Dylan Larkin, the captain of the team? really involved. I mean, you know, just th- this year, last year, the, he's really gone out of his way to, because they've had so many newcomers come in to, even before camp, just have golf outings, team dinners, mm-hmm. you know, football, watching parties on on the weekend, to just really make it so that, you know, by the time they showed up to camp, they already already felt like they knew one another and, you know, were, were bonded. So I think he, he really understands his role, and he's always been very good about being accountable to the media and understanding his role as far as talking to reporters when things are, are not going well. So I think, you know, it was with good reason Steve mm-hmm. named him captain and, and gave him that big contract uh, last March. Yeah, he's, he's locked up for a long time, uh, basically end of the decade for sure. So Helene St. James, Detroit Free Press, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, every time we get a chance to watch the, the Red Wings, which is quite often, I don't know. The old eyeballs always seem to just uh, draw to Mo Sider. Uh, just a, a perfect uh, young defenseman that has uh, great vision. Uh, man, this guy, would you say he's the building block on the back end for years to come in Detroit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and he's coming into his third year. And I would think with some of the contracts we've seen signed in, in Buffalo just this past week, uh, he's certainly going to get uh, secured long term mm-hmm. at, a, at a high AAV. But. Uh, you know, he, he he's just right right from the get-go. Now, I think, you know, it benefited him. He he played in men's leagues even before he came to Detroit. And be, by because of the pandemic, uh, ending up playing that season in Sweden, 
um, he came to Detroit. He was already a very mature, very experienced young player, and he's just continued to grow. And he's he plays a more well-rounded game, you know. And last season, early on, there was some OEC enduring a, a sophomore slump. His numbers are down, but it's just they they ask so much of him. But he also, you know, finally in January, uh, Jake Wallman was healthy to play. He's mm-hmm. been a really good partner for him. So they just. You know, and now they have Jeff Petrie on board as well, and Ben Sherrod on the on the second pairing. It's kind of eased the burden a little bit on on Sider, but he he's he was a phenomenal pick. I mean, Steve's first pick uh, since taking over as GM in April of 2019, and and absolutely, I mean, he is he he is the building block for for the coming decade. Do you see a, a contract, Helene, that's a, a similar, maybe a bit more than uh, what Owen Power signed in Buffalo yesterday, seven years? About fifty-eight and a half million. Probably, and and Darlene got more, yeah, right? So yeah. maybe somewhere in between. I mean, I, I think, I you know, you'd be hard pressed if you're his agent to to not be able to counter that uh, that that like we just said, he is the mm-hmm. key building block, and he's the guy they could least afford to lose. So I would say probably closer to Darlene numbers. Okay. Um, uh, you know, yeah. when all is said and done. Yeah, fair fair comment for sure. Um, Helene St. James, Detroit Free Press, uh, joins us uh, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So, Helene, you did mention Jeff Petrie, and of course we saw him here in Edmonton uh, before he went out east. Uh, how, how much of a calming influence do you think he'll add on the blue line? I, I think a lot, and in the locker room too. I mean, he, he just seems like one of those guys, he, he's never going to panic or you know, get too down about anything, just very even keeled. But I think just, you know, he'll, he'll be a good kind of mentor for a player like Sider as well, just to see how to deal with when situations in a game, when, when things kind of go sour or, you know, you, something goes wrong. That And he just, he strengthens them, he'll strengthen them on the power play as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably looks like he's going to be a good partner for Ben Sherratt. So I, I think he just, he was kind of a, a low-key pickup, but it, it's interesting, I mean, He's from the Detroit area, the Brinkhead. Yeah. You know, he, he Steve's kind of given it a, a hometown flavor as well. But so just some some very good additions. And and Steve, you know, he pulled all these moves off without mortgaging the future. I mean, what he gave up for the Brinkhead wasn't anything that that's going to turn around and and hurt them mm-hmm. uh, as far as picks or players. Yeah, no question about that. Um... Helene, can you kind of just discuss, and you talked about it a little bit off the top, about the goaltending situation. Can you kind of uh, let our viewers know, or listeners know, about where that is, uh, where that situation is? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they went into last season with Vila Huso and Alex Nedeljkovic, thinking these are going to more or less split the split the net. And then Huso really pulled away, and Nedeljkovic struggled, and struggled so much they sent him to the minors, and ended up bringing in Magnus Halberg, who, you know, was good at times, but also consistently let in soft goals. So they really, they, Steve went out this summer, same signed James Reimer, and then they brought in Alex Lyon as well. So, and then they pretty deliberately all along wanted to have room on the, they have the salary cap space and the roster space to carry three goaltenders. You know, they, they play a lot of games because they go to Stockholm in mid-November. So they play a lot of games beforehand because then they only played twice in like 10 days uh, because of that trip. So it's just a, a very compact schedule. And I think they just really felt they needed three goaltenders. And Derek said it yesterday that they overplayed Wheeler last year because hmm. he was the only goalie who gave them a consistent chance to win. 
and you know it, it overtaxed him. It just it just was not an ideal situation, and they really feel that they've learned a lesson and addressed that over the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helene St. James from the Detroit Free Press is our guest on the um, Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So New Jersey tonight, uh, first game of the season for both teams. Uh, can you kind of tee up what the Devils will offer as an opponent to, to Detroit tonight? Oh, I, I, I mean, Derek's talked about what a great test this is going to be for them because of the, the speed, the that uh, in one of the games last season, I mean, the, the Devils just simply overran the wings. Uh, so I think they feel like this is going to be just a, a terrific, terrific test. And then they come, wings come home and open the season Saturday against Tampa. Uh, so it's right, right. First two games of the season are going to be terrific tests. I think Tampa, even without Vasilevsky, you know, they're, they've got a lot of talent on their team. But the Devils, I mean, and on the road, that's that's going to be a great test for all the structure and the special teams and the mindset that the Wings have, you know, they're going to get an answer uh, by the end of the night to, to just what else they need to work on or do they have the right formula. Uh, Helene St. James, just a couple more for you this morning. Um, I know you got to get down to the rink there and things like that. So you you also had another article in the Detroit Free Press about um, the pride tape and everything that's been going on around the league uh, in that sense. Can you kind of just give an update on what uh, Coach Lalonde had to say about that yesterday? Yeah, I thought it was terrific. I mean, he said he's an all-inclusive guy and always has been, and uh, why wouldn't you be, you know, a, a, a I'm baffled by the NHL's decision. Uh, I think players, if, if they want to use rainbow tape or any seam tape gear, uh, that should be their choice. Uh, you know, this to me, you're accommodating the select few who, uh, for reasons that are hard to understand, are are against such uh, such themes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think it was a poor choice by the NHL and. I think it was, it's great to see uh, people like Derek Lalonde speak out and say they're all inclusive. Uh, we all should be, you know. Yeah. How much play is that getting down in the States? Uh, it got a lot of play in Detroit. Um, okay. So, you know, I think uh, it's it's just, it, it's, a, it's a, I mean, right going back to June when the NHL first started making decisions about pride nights and such, uh, you know, it, it, do, it does get attention. There's so much else going on in the world, but it certainly, it does get attention as I think it should. And I'm sure it does in Canada as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, can you kind of describe the, I guess the, the sense of optimism the wings have uh, heading into this season, just in a, in a general outlook uh, heading into game number one tonight? Yeah, I think they're very enthusiastic. I mean, in the locker room, they know they're not picked uh, to make the playoffs on most lists, but they really feel like they they have the depth. I, I think they they feel like they've been they've been going in the right direction, and they're learning how to flip those close games. Uh, Moritz Seider said it earlier this week when I asked him about it. He said, you know, in years past, mm-hmm. we would have given up. Uh, last year, we kept fighting. We didn't win, but we kept fighting. And he said, you know, this year it feels like we're ready to take another step and, and win some of those close games. They want to be in important games late in the season. You know, it was um, mid to late February. There were seven games above 500. They were in the playoff picture, and then everything went wrong. That's That's really where the growth will be seen this season is can they – move forward from that and and keep playing meaningful games in March. Well, Helene, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we look forward to watching uh, the Detroit Red Wings, an exciting up-and-coming team that uh, could make some noise out east for sure. Thanks for your time today. 
Happy to be on anytime. All right, that's Helene St. James, Red Wings beat writer for the Detroit Free Press and part of our Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Once the weather hits 7 degrees for 7 days, it's a good time to get your tires changed. Um... A lot of texts coming in. Uh, we wanted to get just, I'll get to one of them before the break. Uh, and that was uh, Sunny. And I think, I wonder, this is, could be the same Sunny that texts me all the time about uh, Frank Sarah Volley, right? I think I was, t- I was saying Frank Sarah Valley for, you know, maybe a week or something like that. And Sunny would go, hey, man, it's Sarah Volley. It is the same Sunny. You're correct. Sunny. Um, morning, boys. Uh, Woodcroft was at the preseason coaching level last night. I put this loss on him for not preparing the team the right way. Disappointed to see the team start this way. Oilers need to stop the Stanley Cup talk and just play the game with more intensity. All right. Well, we're going to talk about uh, that kind of intensity. We'll get some more clips from uh, the Oilers from last night after their 8-1 loss in Vancouver. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. I guess Duke, I did jump the gun on that Journey song a little bit for Helene St. James. And that's she had a great line, you know, the first couple lines of that song. Or as we call it, Windsor, South Detroit. <laughs> yeah, that was good. She's got some great uh, content, uh, Helene St. James. has been writing uh, about the Detroit Red Wings uh, for a long, long time, since the mid-90s, and covered a lot of great stories and wrote a couple of books. Uh, she's got good stuff if you ever want to check her out uh, in the Detroit Free Press. So, text coming in to one 1440 um, What do you think about what happened last night? Give us a little shout. Uh, it's a little, it's kind of a, everyone's maybe, I don't know what the word is. Is it like just trepidation? Are people kind of wondering, you know, is there concern? Is it just a one-off? Is it overreaction? Uh, do you have a feeling on it, Duke? I mean, I think it's just, again, it's the one game and you can't play... I don't think the Oilers could play worse than they did last night as a team. So, I mean, maybe you just look at it and go, all right, let's get that one out of the way and move on to whatever happened Saturday. And you would expect a heck of a response on Saturday because we didn't, even when it's 5-1, I mean, there was no response from guys like, and I mean a physical response from Nurse or Kane. I mean, Evander Kane was minus three after 40 minutes, I think finished dash four. But you didn't see the physicality of, you know, trying to get something going. I mean, you saw it later in the third period with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl with uh, stick infractions, but there were no scrums. There was nothing in front of the nets. No one was going hard to the net. No one was defending the net. I don't know. So maybe people are just, I don't know, one game, opening night, let it be. It's... I don't know if this is ironic or if there's a better term to describe it, but all preseason, Oilers fans, us in the media, we kept saying, let's get to the regular season. We're tired of this preseason nonsense. The Oilers looked like they were still playing a preseason game last night. And uh, everything that's been said already, uh, both in the comments we heard from Jay Mm -hmm. Woodcroft uh, in the first break, um, all over Twitter, like it, it was just, it looked like the team wasn't ready to play. And it pretty much from the start of the game. And, well, and, and you said the lack of physical response, I think, plays into that same narrative as well. 
in terms of overreaction, of course that's going to happen. This is Edmonton. This is a hockey mad city with a, a team with Stanley Cup aspirations. And one game in, you get absolutely walked by a division rival. Um, it's frustrating for sure, but I think everyone can pump the brakes a little bit because the best part is they do get an immediate chance at redeeming themselves on home ice on a Saturday night. But I think at the start of the game, I mean, Connor McDavid had that hit on Akito Hirose along the boards. I mean, there was that uh, physical element. There was a, a, like a, a sense of trying to get involved, do something. Uh, I thought that happened at the beginning of the game, but you know, once it started to be like one nothing, etc., two nothing. I mean, we didn't see any response at all, especially from the big, stronger, tougher guys. We didn't see anything like that as the game uh, progressed. Uh, before we get to uh, Connor McDavid's comments from last night, uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. This comes from Dino. Uh, the Canucks seemed to me that they played exactly how Rick Tockett used to play. That's a very fair comment uh, in the sense that, and there, uh, I think, you know, Louis DeBrusque talked about that last night in the broadcast. The fact that Rick Tockett, uh, the way he played, he can relate to absolutely every player on his roster because he scored upwards of 50 goals in the NHL. He fought everyone. He stuck up for his teammates. He blocked shots. Uh, he was a leader. So, it's a you know if, if Elias Pettersson ever went and said well what do you know about scoring goals well Rick Tockett knows about scoring goals uh, if uh, Dakota uh, Joshua comes up and says oh, what do you know about you know fighting a guy like uh, Vincent DeHarney well he does so uh, that like this is a fair comment from Dean in in the sense that you know what uh, he can relate to all his players. Um, Adam in Spruce. Be better, Adam. Come at, come at us with a better text than that. Come at us with a better one than that. Uh, Doug, here's a good one. This is another good one. Uh, Kevin, the Canucks showed the league on how to beat the Oilers. Heavy forecheck. Quick and first to the puck in all zones. Swarm McDavid. Uh, we saw a highlight package of that later in the game. Collapse to their own net. Complete buy-in by all the Canucks. Total team game by the Canucks. Oilers have a lot of work to do, especially in their defensive zone. So let's have a listen to uh, what the captain, Connor McDavid, had to say following last night's tilt. How do you break down a game like that? Um... You get ready for the next one. That's uh, what we're going to do. Obviously, you like to learn from uh, some of the breakdowns and uh, get ready for the next one. What do you think led to the primary struggle in your own zone tonight? Ooh, lots. Um, yeah, lots of things went wrong. Is it a, that's communication? Is it not being on the same page? Um, what do you think is something that's correctable in that sense? Uh Go back to the drawing board and figure it out. Um, you know, like I said, there's lots of lessons there for us. Um, sucks that this happens on the first game of the year. You know, these nights happen. Um, sucks that it's the first one, obviously. Um, looking forward to playing them again Saturday. It's hard to, you know, you guys had captain skates a month and a bit ago, and mm -hmm. then you played preseason games in a long camp and look forward to this game for so long yep. and come out and lay an egg. Like, I don't know how you explain that. I don't know. You know, how do we explain it? How, what happens? Uh, yeah, me neither. Uh, you know, obviously not uh, not sure how to explain um, that start to your season. We've had great starts. Uh, you know, we've won the, the opener for the last however many years, and 
I guess maybe one there in the COVID year, but um, you know we normally play well in this game, um, and obviously we didn't didn't uh, didn't this year. There's so much made about Jack Campbell's playing the preseason, him kind of getting things going, and it just didn't seem like there was a lot of help in front of him. Would you agree? No, that? there wasn't. No, there wasn't a lot of help. I thought uh, both you know we hung both of our guys out to dry, and um, never what you want to do. Matias Ekholm is obviously a big part of this team. Did you feel like you, you guys really missed him tonight? Was he a big reason or, or a reason for the struggles in your own team tonight? Uh, a great player, big part of our group. Um, you know, you miss uh, you miss lots of guys when they when they're not in your lineup, um, and he would obviously be one of them. This captain of the team, how would you how, like? How much you dwell on this, or do you just forget about it? Do you have to? drive some points home from a night like well, this? Like I said, yeah, like I said, I mean, we obviously want to learn from it. Um, we want to, you know, see where things went wrong and learn from it, like I said, and, and, uh, and get ready to go again. You know, we play Saturday. Um, excited to play at home. Um, excited to play these guys again. Another opportunity to redeem ourselves. Any problem or any thoughts on them rolling out PP1 in a 6-1 game in the third period? They made a few decisions in the third period that I thought were interesting. Um, throwing the backup goalie in with 10 minutes left. I have not seen that. Um, it's not like DeSmith is uh, uh, e-bug or anything like that. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And yeah, I mean, anytime you roll out the first power play unit, um, not ideal, but um, not our uh, never situation we want to be in. And, you know, obviously uh, we don't like that. All right, there's uh, Oilers captain Connor McDavid. Uh, McDavid finished the night uh, with 20 minutes, a little over 20, didn't play a lot in the third. Uh, took a penalty, uh, finished minus three with one assist. Uh, by the way, that goal by uh, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, the power play goal, um, kind of no one really talked about it, but it did uh, tie him with Ryan Smith for the lead in Oilers franchise history with power play goals. So... Hey, there's a positive. <laughs> we got things falling all over in the studio here. Uh, so to uh, just uh, pony up on uh, Connor McDavid's comments. First of all, uh, Casey DeSmith came in from what Coach Rick Tockett of the Canucks was saying after the game, uh, just taking the fact that um, starting goalie Thatcher Demko was feeling dehydrated, still was battling a touch of the flu. Um, so DeSmith came in, uh, Tockett even went on to say that um, Thatcher Demko kind of threw up in his mask, uh, but at 10 minutes left in the game, that's kind of the route they went there. As for rolling out the power play, uh, how about there's two things you can look at it. They always say, well, just how about stop it? Um, they gave up three power play goals, the Oilers did. And we've seen many times over the years many many times in the third period when the Oilers had a comfortable lead I'm not saying it was uh, 6-1 or whatever I guess that's when the seventh power play goal was scored and that was the goal by uh, uh, JT Miller I believe yes so that was the 7-1 goal Uh, but we've seen many many times that the Oilers have rolled out their number one power play unit in the third period so uh, I don't know how much uh, uh, bearing that has on it. Uh, text line again, just uh, smoking hot coming in. Uh, <laughs> uh, one positive from last night from Googie. Uh, I went to bed at my usual time. No need to watch until the end to see the obvious outcome. Uh, so this was another. This was a. This was a new thing for me, Duke. Okay, after working thirty-three years till midnight, and now having to get up a little earlier. 
little different. So I actually stayed up for the entire game and then watched a tiny bit uh, other stuff till about a quarter after 11. So a little different. Uh, K-Fed, it has to be coaching for the Oilers. When you have that many power play goals given up, that many five-on-five five given up, you only score one goal and you have the two best players in the world, it has to be coaching. Uh, Sean D, Oilers to, trying to play too cute. How many times... Did the Canucks pick off the draw pass to McDavid in the neutral zone or the extra play that would end in a turnover? Simple formula is needed in putting pucks on net and driving players in instead of looking for the perimeter play. Well, we saw that at the start of the second period when the Oilers had a power play. It was nothing fancy, just get stuff to the net. How about yesterday when David Schlemko was in here and we talked about the fact that um, why let Connor McDavid carry the puck in? Uh, instead on the power play make Evan Bouchard carry the puck in Uh, force that pass in the neutral zone that drop pass uh, on the entries Uh, Schlemko talked about that and uh, we saw Vancouver elect to use that strategy several times last night Corey if the Oilers didn't like the Canucks running it up play better no need to cry about it. Oh, it's kind of what we just said, Corey, for sure. Uh, thanks to all your uh, texts coming in and keep them coming in. one 401 1440 one 401 1440 Wanted to uh, double back to Northside Norm. He's going to be at the... Is that going to be... What's that going to be like tonight at the West Edmonton Mall? For autograph, well, right here, it's like I'm just down the thing here. Uh, so it's the autograph session. Uh, this has been planned for a long time. It's a popular, popular event. The orders roll out. Uh, you know the tables, and people can stand in line. People will stand in line early for Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Uh, there's sort of a cap on that, depending on how things go. But what do you think the feeling is going to be tonight in the mall, Duke? I have a. Fe- I believe that starts at six o'clock. Correct? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. I think that there is a good chance there will already be people starting to queue up by the time well, I, I, I leave the studios here at 2, 2.30. I'll bet you right now people are starting to line just, up. They just get come to the mall early yeah. and start just mulling around, go for a nice mall walk well, in the a.m. And then uh, once they start to see some other people start to form, they'll jump on in behind them. In years past, they've lined up this early. How's that sound? You know, well, if you it's were the way it is, if man. you were reading Oilers Twitter last night, you would think that the lineup should be a lot shorter because everybody's out on the okay. team and thinks the, as you said earlier, the sky is falling. The texts that we get are the people waiting for games like last night. The fans wait for stuff like that, and then there's other fans that wait for the other uh, angle, the eight-one Oilers win. Uh, when we come back, Mark Spector from Vancouver, he had a great. Uh, social media post. We're going to get to that one uh, when we hook up with Spec for Booster Juice at the top of the hour. Uh, first up, a Sports 1440 update uh, brought to you by First Round. If you wear an NFL jersey tonight to the West Edmonton Mall location, you get 50% off wings. Also, Mark Leavers might even buy you a beer. Here's the Duke, Brandon Douglas.